0: may be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer for just a moment together. Eternal merciful God we give thanks for the glory of this day, for your spirit which inhabits all things, for the promise of your presence with us even now. We thank you for the beauty of this season, for the coolness of the mornings, for this gathering of the community in worship. We thank you for your love, your grace, for the ever-constant way in which you persuade us toward paths of righteousness. We confess to you that we've been sinful. In thought, word, and deed, we've done things that were an injury to others and an offense to you. We pray, Father, that you would redeem us continually every day. Help us. We are a part of your creation. Forgive us, we pray. Even in speaking these words, we know your forgiveness is there. Let your healing grace be at work in us. Bless us, we who are struggling especially, those among us who are dealing with very grave issues. We pray for your blessings, not only on this community of faith, but on the entire world. For those who are in fear, living in fear for those who are living in violence, for those who are living in oppression. Lord, in all these places, provide for us. Bless us, bless us, bless us, we pray in Christ's name, amen. The scripture that we focus on today is to continue this reflection on our homes, our families, and how God is calling us to... Be representatives of his amidst each other. The first of the passages, two passages this morning, the first of which is Proverbs chapter 22, verses 1 through 6. I'll read now and then read the Ephesians passage just following. Listen to these words A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And favor is better than silver or gold. The rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. The clever see danger and hide, but the simple go on and suffer for it. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Thorns and snares are in the way of the perverse. The cautious will keep far from them. Train children in the right way, and when old, they will not stray. And then from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Do you recognize these cheers? Uh, They've been in the Smithsonian since 1978. I know that that is a date that predate some of your births, but stay with me here for just a moment. You may be asking yourself, what is significant about these chairs, and who might have sat in them? Well, let me inform you that it was Archie and Edith Bunker, these characters that became very well known. Here, maybe this will help. Um, go to that next slide. Okay. Ah. All in the Family. Do any of you have any memory of this show? Some of you do. Some of you don't have a clue, I know. But you can go back and, and search this out on Google or YouTube and watch some of these episodes. They are classics. The landscape of television in America changed forever when All in the Family came on the scene. It was set in Queens, New York. And in this household, there were several important characters. There were always some that were coming in and out of the house, but the four main characters were Archie, who was this lovable bigot of a guy who was often getting caught in the web of his prejudices, and he had prejudices piled up galore at any point in his day. And he was married to this precious Lady who was simple-minded. In fact, he got away with calling her a dingbat. Edith was this precious soul who was sweet and simple and wise within the naivete of her presence in the room. There were things that she would say that would change the whole concept, except perhaps Archie's concept of what was going on and what was important in any given moment. Now, Gloria and Mike, these other two that were live-in liberals with them in this household, constant irritation for Archie especially. Uh, This was Gloria, their daughter, and then her husband. Um, Does anybody remember what Archie called Mike? Meathead, such a loving term. The thing that I have reflected on, I don't know what got this on my mind, but the thing that I've reflected on with this show just as of late was that this show, for me, for me, and I, I think perhaps for others too, this show, better than any other, helped us to see that family does not fit into nice, neat packages. Um, It may be that you watched a few of the other shows that were in the 1950s, 60s, or 70s if you were around then, and you were enamored with the idea of these families that seemed to be in such perfect order. Um, things falling into place, I the kids would act up here and there, but the uh, the couple they they were never at odds with each other, not really, not for important issues, and you may have been holding yourself to this high standard this expectation. Um, there are laughable intentions uh, tensions that develop between generations of any of any day and age. Um, One of the movies that uh, comes to my mind in recent years is that one called Meet the Parents. Do you remember that one where uh, Ben Stiller, I think it was, and Robert De Niro just were at each other's throats at certain points in the movie really based on Robert De Niro's expectations of this this son-in-law-to-be who just doesn't fit into his expectations of what a son-in-law should be. I shouldn't ask this question, but I am going to ask it. Do any of you remember last week's sermon? Go ahead and tell me. I won't tell Jonathan what you say, okay? (laughs) Do any of you remember that last week, in fact, for the last two Sundays, we have been focusing on this passage from from the Old Testament where Joshua is speaking to the people and he bears his heart before them. He is, he is at the very end of his life and so he comes to the people and he speaks to them and he's, he says to them, basically, you, you choose what, what you're going to choose, but as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. You remember that? With such intentionality, he spoke those words and, it, and it's just a wonderful expression of optimism on his part that he would have the ability to control his house like that. We wish to control our house like that. But the longer I live, the more I realize that there are things that are going on that are far beyond my control. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like that there are things that? that really you might touch and you might speak to, but when it comes right down to it, decisions are being made that are far beyond what you will ever control. He was voicing his heart's desire, though. That's what Joshua was doing. He was voicing his heart's desire. And this is what's so crucial for us in our families. Parents, I'm specifically speaking to you today is not to give up on expressing your heart's desire that your family would be oriented toward God like righteousness, toward right principles, toward the plan of good news that Christ has for us all. These are beautiful words of wisdom that are in this passage. Train up a child in the right way, and when old, they will not stray. These are beautiful words if you do not think of them as a promise but as a probability in fact in my opinion this book should be renamed it is not just proverbs here some people think about proverbs as being things that certainly are going to happen and because it's in the bible and it says so here you know darn well that god is going to make this happen Ah, ah. now when it comes to these words in this book If you believe that, then you and I need to sit down and talk about the way in which God operates. Because God allows for us to have much free will. And because of that, we do things that are absolutely rebellious. In our families, this same thing occurs. This is the book of probabilities. It is a book of truisms, not that that means that there is not truth there, there is truth there, but it is a book that is filled with the longing of the heart for it to be true. We get these proverbs from all corners of the earth. If you listen to them, you hear them every day. Have you ever heard that one? Cats always land on their feet. Never heard that one, haven't you? You haven't? You know that one? And it probably is 99% true. But ask that 100th cat that lands on his back if cats always land on their feet, and you'll get another story. Have you ever heard this one? Change is good for the soul. And that is good, even, I suppose, if you're just talking about rearranging furniture in your house to get a new perspective on life. But ask that of the children of military couples that are having to move every two years maybe or pastors that have to move so frequently and you might get another perspective on whether change is good or not have you ever heard this one cheaters never prosper well we know that's not the case don't we (laughs) in fact in recent years, it seems that cheaters prosper more than anybody else does, right? These are probabilities, not promises. Here's another one. Cleanliness is next to godliness. And I suppose that that works pretty well, you know, unless you are someone who is entirely compulsive about keeping everything And that has no godliness to it at all. In fact, it drives not only the individual crazy, it drives everybody around them crazy. Right? And so it can be devoid of godliness. How about this one? Have you ever heard, the family that prays together stays together? And really, this is getting down to brass tacks with the issue here. Because the danger... The danger in reading this passage about train up your children in the way that they'll go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. The the danger in this is that some parents will look back and will say to themselves, they will say to themselves, seeing how things turned out, I must not have done a very good job. Do you ever feel disappointed in yourself? You and I make our efforts from our hearts to set things right in our families. And there are good effects that we can have to become caring families, to become honest families, responsible families. Families that raise up good character in all of those that are there. But these are probabilities, not promises when it comes to matters of faith. And God has designed it this way. not that God has designed us to be sinners at our very the core of our being, but that He has given to us this incredible gift of free will so that we can make the decision to come to Him, so that we can be coaxed by His Spirit back to Him. But in the midst of giving us that gift, He realizes that some of us will not do that. And so it's important that we handle family life with much grace and forgiveness for those around us And for ourselves, handle family life not like Archie, (laughs) but like Edith. I knew a family that was controlled, literally controlled by this father. Early in my ministry, I met him, and I can remember several occasions being around him in a church setting in which somebody said something that angered him, and this gentleman would turn, he would turn beet red, he would get so angry. And I thought to myself, what would home life be like for him and those that were closest to him? If he's reacting like this in public and in a church setting, how could it be That he would be any different at home. I got to know his wife, who generally didn't say anything. I think because she was afraid that she might say the wrong thing and that she would have to bear the brunt of his anger. I met his children. Two sons he had, whom he continually tried to keep under thumb. Oh, he would say that he was doing the Lord's work to whip them into shape, into being the type of people that God would want them to be. But let me tell you, the reaction that I saw in them was anything but that, because they were continually seeking their freedom in unhealthy ways. What you and I do in our families is very, very important. But as we relate to each other, it is crucial that we relate as we have received God's love, that we relate to others in this very graceful way. My best friend in high school was a fellow named Ben McFather. Ben and I were on the football team together. He was the quarterback. I was... I was... I can't even remember what I did on the football team. I was such an insignificant part of it. But he and I spent a lot of time together. Um, Ben came from a a large family. He had 12 siblings when I knew him. His parents added another couple after that. It was beyond my fathoming how he could get along with 12 siblings. Siblings, but somehow they had this sense of peace in their house. His father worked so hard, but he did very menial labor, and his rewards were minute. In fact, they lived in one of the smallest houses in that community. His family literally had to take turns when it came time to eating dinner. They couldn't all fit around the table. In fact, I, I have wondered to myself how they slept because there were only two bedrooms in the house and they had to sleep in shifts, I do believe. Now that I think about it, you know, it's just, just unbelievable to think about what he was dealing with. His father had this dream for his family and if he saw an abandoned house or if he saw someone tearing down a house he would ask for permission to get the bricks from that house if it was just a chimney or whatever it was out in their yard there was this huge pile of bricks and one of the sad things of of uh, Ben's life was that his father was was always asking him to come out and to clean the cement off of the bricks that were there. But Ben Ben didn't hate his daddy because Ben saw in his father what his heart was all about, and that was loving his children. And in his father's mind, he had this large house that he wanted to move them into. He even staked it out there on their property. And in fact, one of the days that I remember, his dad began to actually build the house. He didn't have enough bricks, didn't have enough money, but he began to build the house. And it was this long-time monument to what he dreamed would be possible. Ben was engaged to Evadne. And they were traveling with Ben's parents in the back seat of the car when a terrible accident occurred. An 18-wheeler pulled for whatever reason into their lane and Ben's parents were killed instantly instantly ben and evadne were also hurt riding in the same car in the back seat but their injuries were not to the point that they couldn't recuperate within a period of several weeks. When they did come to and they learned the situation at hand, Ben and Evadne set their wedding date right away. And they took it upon themselves to be the caretakers of the remainder of the children that were still at home. It was an incredible selfless thing that they did to raise the eight children that were still there. When the community saw what they were trying to do, saw their heart, this little community came together and raised the money to finish that house when i went back to see ben and he took me in the house he said i want to show you something he showed me the longest dining room table i have ever seen it actually was it was not anything fancy at all in fact they had built it just for that family so that when all of them came back to the house there would be room for every single member of that family to sit at the table at the same time. Incredible love that that father and mother had for that family that will be remembered until those children's dying day. And so I will tell you that it does Work. It is not a promise, but it is a great possibility, a probability when you set in motion your heart's desire that your children will know your love And will live within the love of God. It's important for children to honor their parents. We know that. In fact, it says it here as Paul is remembering. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise so that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. In case you missed it, this is the important part of what Paul is saying here. Not the first part. We know this commandment. Honor your father and mother that your days will be long upon the earth. But that's not what Paul is getting at. Paul is getting at the second part of this. Where he says, and fathers, unless we think that this is just about daddies. I'm going to say parents here. And parents, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And what is the discipline and instruction of the Lord? The discipline and instruction of the Lord is this act of forgiveness where He gives His entire heart. He gives His life on Calvary for us in order that we might know and come to know and to participate in that love that he gives to all the world. Uh, Some people take all of this so out of context. When Paul is talking about the Christian household, in fact, I dare say that that man that I told you about that was so oppressive to his wife and to his sons, I would not doubt that he would have quoted to me, if I had questioned him, that he would have quoted to me Well, it says that wives are to be subject to their husbands. That is Bible, he would say. That is Bible, he would say. And I would say you haven't read Paul very well if you believe that. Because that whole passage starts off with the statement, Be subject to one another. There is this... Mutuality, even between parents and children, between masters and slaves, between everybody in the family. There is this mutuality, which is a matter of honor and respect that is of the very heart of Christ. And so, parents, you know how to make this go right, don't you? To the best degree that you're able to do that to love with a heart of grace and to forgive more times than you can ever imagine you would have to in order that God's presence might truly be there. And I want to return to that proverb about prayer again because I think I passed over it too quickly. The family that prays together stays together. And again, this is this is not a promise, but it truly should be the desire of our hearts that if we place ourselves before God in prayer, that it would have an effect, and it does have an effect on all that are involved. And so I call not just on families, but I call on the community, you, all of us here, to take this seriously, this matter of prayer. Pray for the infants in this church and in our community and in the world and pray for the parents of infants for they so need it. And God help all of the toddlers. And especially, there ought to be a special place in heaven for the parents of toddlers. God help them. That's a difficult stage. (laughs) Pray for these. Pray for the tweens. Pray for the teens. Pray for those that are edging their way out of their youthfulness into adulthood. And pray for the parents, and pray for the grandparents and those that are becoming elderly. Pray, pray, pray. Let this be the desire of your heart, and others will pick up on it. And I can't guarantee you that it will always work out the way that you want But I will say to you, and I'm here as a testament to it, that if you live by these principles, it increases the probabilities greatly of how good life can be in our family. As the praise band comes back to lead us in our final song, I want to ask that you would bow your heads again with me for prayer. And we'll also distribute the baskets in just a few moments for the collection of our our offering. Oh, Father, thank you for the many ways that you give to us. We realize that we have been the great recipients of of this love, this, this magnificent love that Jesus Christ comes to give his life for. We pray, Father, that you would bless us and our families and help us. We need you. Oh, Father, we lift up our hearts to you. And ask that you would intervene, help us to be loving and every day to share your loving kindness and to be these vessels of grace. Receive this offering now that we give. Let it be a celebration of all that you do in Christ's name.